If you have a Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 24. Matthew 24. Um, when I'm speaking and while I'm speaking, and on a number of occasions, I've taken up a, a theme in the evening called Future Shock. Future Shock is that I'm taking a short series, just a short number of messages, looking at the future. What does the future hold? What does the Bible say about the future? And I started last week and, and uh, we began to enter this. And, and so last week I spoke about the future, fear and the fascination of it. We began to look at this whole theme. And what we, what we discovered was that there is a hope for the future. Uh, I haven't got time to go into that tonight, but that was what we shared with the beginning of a series that we're now looking at. And uh, I looked at the fascination that people have with the future, the whole thing of 2012, the Mayan prophecy. Could it be the end of the world? And all that stuff. And if you remember, we looked, there was a bit of a film that came up on screen, and we looked at that. And the fascination that people have about astrology and looking at their fortune and what does the future hold and people saying that this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And we began to look at that and, and the fear then that there comes with that and some of the, the writers of the day talking about the fast pace and change of life and where is the world going and the ecology movement saying that you know we're going to expend all the resources of our planet and it doesn't look, the future doesn't look good. And we've been looking at that. And then we looked at what the Bible had to say. And we discovered that there's hope. The Bible speaks about a hope for the future. That the whole of creation is groaning but is looking forward to an amazing new future. The whole world is going to have a new future. Every individual on this planet is going to have a new future in the hand of God. And the whole of the universe has a future prepared by God. It's not just going on a road to nowhere. There was a, uh, some years ago, there was a, a single released by a group called Talking Heads. And it went, we're on a road to nowhere. We're not on a road to nowhere. We're going somewhere and that somewhere is a God place and he's got it ordained and prepared and so we began to look at this theme it's a big theme at the moment you're going to hear a lot more about it not only because it's 2012 and people are worried about the whole Mayan prophecy thing and what's going to happen but more and more people are now talking and beginning to speak as the Holy Spirit I believe the Holy Spirit is moving again afresh in the world and bringing this whole thing to a head about where are we going, where is this all taking us. It was sort of back in the late 70s that people were talking about this, and it's as if we're coming again, and there's a fresh wave of the Spirit bringing again this back on the agenda. And we're going to look at that. And, um, and so I make a disclaimer, I, I do not have, uh, and I don't believe that all the answers are there uh, to give you a time and a date and exactly what's going to happen. I'm not going to take a particular view. I'm not going to take the latest one off the God channel and we're going to go for that and we're going to make a ministry of this. But what we're going to do is look at what the Bible says. There, are, there is something broadly speaking, the Bible speaks quite clearly about the future and that there is a hope and that you can be certain if you're in the hands of God, there's a great future ahead. And it's something amazing that we can tell the world. And it's that telling of the world that, that we're going to look at in the days ahead. So if you want to listen to it, you can listen online for free. If you've got iTunes, you can download on iTunes for free. The future, fear and fascination. Looked at that last week. Tonight, I want to spend a few moments and... Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Look at the signs of the times. My theme is the sign of the times. And uh, we're going to look at this in a number of parts over the next few weeks. Uh, okay, so turn with me to Matthew 24, will you please? And it reads like this, verse 1. Jesus um, left 
It's going to be quite a long reading, and I won't refer, once I've read it tonight, I won't keep referring to it. I won't read it again. I'll refer to it over the next few weeks. So, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call um, his attention to its buildings. Do you see all of these things, he asked? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But, some of, but, but, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes and in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many People, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant woman nursing and nursing mothers. Sorry. <laughs> pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never, be, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs, and false prophets, there'll also be false prophets, you know. Even in the Christian world, there'll be false teaching. They're not just going to be from other walks of religion as well, you know. It could, could be even in the church, this could be. Uh, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So, if anyone tells you, there he is, out there in the desert... Do not go out. Or, here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For, as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there are vultures. There the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And all the nations of the earth will mourn 
They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all of these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So if people tell you the times, the dates, that this is going to happen. So you know, you noticed recently, back in May 2011, uh, a prophet teacher and Bible teacher in the United States who had a following of several hundred thousand said that the end of the world was 2011, was it 9th of May, whatever it was. You know, there's a lot of, no one knows the hour except the Father is allotted the time. There'll be signs pointing towards it, but don't be fooled by anyone that tells you they've worked it out, even from the Bible. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, we'll carry on with life, and then Jesus will appear again. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, and the other left. Therefore, what should we do then? Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked And says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, be prepared, be aware, be prepared for the return of Jesus. Okay, signs of the times is what I want to look at just for a few moments. And uh, this is a passage that speaks about the signs of the times. And uh, as I said, I set the scene last week when we looked at future events. You know, the Bible, especially the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, uh, speaks a lot about the future. I don't know if you, you, you knew this, but if you read the New Testament on its own, and the, the whole Old and New Testament together... 
It says a lot about the future. The Bible has a lot to say. People look at, go to astrologers. People read the magazines and at the back look at their star sign to find out about the future. If you want to find out about what does the future hold, read the Bible. It has a huge amount to say about where the world is going, what's going to happen to human beings, where is life taking us, and what's going to, what, where's all this going? What's, what's the end? What's the end of it all? What's it all about? What is life really all about? The Bible has a lot to say, particularly the New Testament, about where our world is going, what is going to happen to human beings in general, and what about you as an individual? What about your life? Where do we ultimately go to? When we leave this earth, when we pass on, is that the end? People would say, that's it, that's the end. But the Bible has a lot more to say about our personal future, the destiny of every human being, and about our world as well. Ecologists and the green movement say about looking after the world, and so we should. But, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about what's going to happen to our world and how at the moment it's groaning, as it were, under the strain of, of, of all the things that are going on in the world right now. But all these things, there's a hope, all these things are going to come and be renewed. And this is something the Bible has a lot to say. Everything about our future and where the world is going and what is, ultimately holds our human destiny um, is hinges and really it converges on one person. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's linked to his second and final return. You know, Jesus came into this earth once initially. The first time as a, as a babe born at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is coming again a second and final time. He is coming back to the earth again to bring all things renewed. And not everyone maybe talks about that. Many Christians will talk about Christmas Isn't it great? We'll have our nativity place. Wonderful. But there is something being restored again to the church in these days. And that is that Jesus is coming back again. And very soon. And I believe in the not too distant future perhaps. So, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Um, It's what we would call the doctrine of the end times. The second coming of Christ. The return of Jesus Christ. And um, in the New Testament, there's something like 318 References to the end, to the future, to hope. There's a lot in the whole New Testament. There's over 318 different references to the future, the end. What's going to happen to you and me? What about our world? That's a lot. You know, if I said to you in the course of a number of years or months, I kept repeating a certain subject, something I kept saying to you, you would say, hey, you're trying to share something here. You're really trying to tell us something. And so the whole New Testament has a lot to say. It's funny, you don't hear so much about that these days. When I first became a Christian, I became a Christian on the back of that Jesus is coming soon. Get your life right. In, in, when I first became, I heard about it all the time. But I, I can't remember the last time I heard... Um, you might get it on an internet channel or you might get it off the radio or something like that. But in churches these days, I can't remember the last time that somebody actually spoke. And uh, I was at a leaders conference not that long ago. And the last time, as they all spoke together, some people hadn't spoke on the subject in years and years and years. And yet the Bible refers again and again that Jesus is coming back and the world has changed. And you and I have got a great hope for the future. So again and again, do you know what? It says in the New Testament, the Jews wrote about it. 
the Jews wrote about Jesus coming again. Let me, I'm not going to do all 318 references, so don't worry. You don't have to go to sleep. But there's just a couple, just to prove a point. I just want to show you this just for a moment. But did you know what? The Jews spoke and wrote about the fact that God was going to do something ultimately with the whole universe and with the world. We read in the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 16, The Lord also will roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be hope of his people and strength for the children Israel. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 7, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Looking forward to a time when the Messiah, the Chosen One, would come and shake the world and bring all things into God's plan for the whole world and the universe. The Jews wrote about it in the Old Testament. They spoke about the return of the Lord um, Jesus Christ. Um, also, Jesus promised it. The Jews spoke about his return, but Jesus promised it. This is what Jesus had to say himself. He said in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so you know that where I am. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to go from you, but I'm coming back for you. He was speaking about his death and resurrection, but he would come back again. So the Jews, the Old Testament, predicted that God would do something and, um, with his, through his Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus said that he would do something and come back. Do you know what? The angels confirmed the promise of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 11. So the Jews wrote about it. Jesus promised it. The angels confirmed the promise in Acts 1 verse 11. We read these words, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who you've taken to heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the same Jesus is coming back. So the Jews wrote about it. People, um, Jesus promised it. The angels confirmed the promise. Do you know the early church, so the people who followed Jesus, they taught that Jesus would return, that there was a hope and a future for the whole world and that there was, this was all going somewhere. Paul, the apostle Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, said this, For the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. So they absolutely lay hold of the promise that Jesus promised and the confirmation that the angels confirmed. The early church began to teach it. So Paul taught it. Paul again in the book of Hebrews wrote this. So Hebrews 9 verse 28, we read this. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus is coming back a second time. He's dealt with the sin the first time by coming and li- being born and living as a man and dying and being raised on the, dying on the cross and being raised to heaven. He's dealt with sin for those that believe and trust in him. But he's coming back a second and final time to bring all things 
into the plan and hand of God and deal with all things and make them new. And so, you know, I've not done it perhaps justice because I haven't got the, the time. We'd be here all night if we looked at all 318 references. But we see there, there's a promise of the return of Jesus Christ. And we live in a time when Jesus can return. We live in a day where Jesus Christ could return. Do you know, history is his story. Jesus is the full stop of history. Just as you've got a full stop at the end of a sentence that says finished, Jesus himself, as a man, as a being, a living being, is the full stop of history. He is the beginning and the end. In the book of Revelation, he's the Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. If you read the book of Revelation, Jesus referring to God, the Jews believed that only God, Jehovah, was beginning and end, Alpha and Omega. And Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the one who was at the very beginning and creator. In the book of Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image. In the image of them, male and female, he made them. So Jesus was at the beginning But he's also going to be the one to bring it to an end. He's the full stop. It's an amazing understanding of where all of this is actually going and taking us. And so, you know, the world isn't just on a, a road to nowhere. History and future is not running away or running out, but running towards an end, a God end. You know, the world isn't running away with itself. Time isn't running out. I know they said we're running out of fuel, we're running out of this, we're running out of that. You know, we're running out of time. You know, we could say that we're running out uh, or it's running away, it's changing too fast. It's not running out and it's not running away, it's running to an end. There is a God end, not just a good end to the word, but there's a God end. He's the last. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. When he said it's finished, he said this is paid in full. It's ended. It's done. Full stop. I'm the ending. I'm the completion. It's completed. Transaction done. I'll speak more about that on another time. But we are going somewhere. The good news is, and the hope that we have is that the world is going somewhere. It's amazing to let people know this. It's not just we're just chugging along, but we're actually going with a destiny and going to a final destination in God, and it's a good one. So I believe that Jesus is to return a second time. It's what the Bible teaches. And, but I also believe that um, it can happen any time. It can happen, it can happen now. We're living in an age when Jesus could return. And I'm going to just share why I sort of believe that. Uh, we need to be careful as to times and seasons. So I'm not going to say, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is returning in 2014 at such as I don't believe any of that. I don't know the exact time. Jesus said himself this, and this is why we have to be careful. But I do believe we're living in an age, I believe I'm living in an age when Jesus can now return. And this is why I believe it. Um, But he said this, no one knows exactly the time. In Matthew 24 verse 36, Jesus said, only the Father knows. Not even the son or angels, but only the father knows. God the father has set the time. The clock is ticking. There is a time when it will then sound the alarm. And it's at that point that the return. But God the father knows. So if anyone tells you it's going to be this, this and this. But there are some signs that point towards the clock, as it were, counting down, as it were. And this is why I believe that. 
Um, uh, the, the world is changing at a fast rate. There's three things that are happening in the world today. Well, there's more than three things, but there's three basic things. Number one, the, the future is fast, urban, and global. Three things. And they all create a climate. And I believe they create a climate that begins to meet the criteria for the return of Jesus Christ. People have been talking about Jesus' return for centuries. It's not new. And um, you could say, well, it's not new what you're saying. But this is why I believe it could be in... It could, be, it could be in my lifetime, let's say. I, I honestly believe that Jesus could return in my lifetime. I honestly believe that Jesus could return in my lifetime. So let's just look at this, and this is why. Three, three things. The world is changing at a fast pace. I don't know if any of you have queued up for an iPad 3. Perhaps you haven't. But if you watch TV... People queuing up in London for hours and hours and hours to get the iPad 3. The iPad 3 has just replaced the iPad 2. It's probably only come out something like, I don't know, six months, seven months later. Things change quickly. Technology is changing at a fast rate. Hey, do you know what? My first uh, mobile phone was in 19... Yeah, I'm going to show my age now. 1998. It was an Ericsson. An Ericsson mobile. It looked more like a walkie-talkie. You know when you go around the Westfield Centre and you see security and they've got a walkie-talkie strapped to their, their, their hip? It was the size of a walkie-talkie almost. And it had an antenna on it. And the antenna was about that big. It's a, I would say it's about four inches. So the phone looked like a brick and the antenna was four inches. Now you can get an entire computer. An iPhone 4S carries everything that a computer can do and more and almost technology is changing at a fast pace. We well, say, so what's that got to do with Jesus coming back? Ain't got nothing to do, that's what you're probably saying. Well, I tell you what it does is this. Technology is changing, not just yearly, but probably twice yearly, every six months. And what, what the change is doing, it's driving not just technology change, but social change. So people's attitudes to life, morality, love, marriage, relationships, law and order, the things you buy, dress sense, how you live your life. It's changing rapidly as well. Whereas before it would take 30 years, 40 years, 100 years or whatever it was, things have always changed, but the rate of change is increasing. So things have always changed. Change ain't new, but the rate of change has increased. And what that's doing is it's making life now So we're now not so settled as we used to be. Nothing is for life. You do not have a job for life. You will probably change your job a number of times. You will probably change your job a number of times um, in life. So fast. So things are changing rapidly. Now these all all join to create a climate. So stay with me. Please stay with me just for a moment or two. Um, So the, the, the future is fast. It's also urban. The second thing is people are living more and more in cities, big urban areas. Our societies, the world is, people live out in the outback and they do live in the country and people want to escape to the country, hence the program. But more and more people are living in vast urban areas, cities. What that's doing is it's making us more technological. It's, it's making us that we're more distanced from the natural, from the world around us country, creation. It's distancing us from other people. Isn't it amazing? You could live in Greater London, 
eight, eight London and Greater London, eight and a half million people, and yet feel incredibly lonely. You can have about a thousand friends on Facebook, and you put your best photo up, and no one hardly likes it. Or you put something stupid up, and about 30 people like that, and you think, where, you know. The world is changing dramatically. Urbanization is changing the way in which we relate and think. So the fast pace of life is changing dramatically. We're not sure about what tomorrow brings. So it means people hold on to things so lightly. The fact that we don't relate as much, even though we've got all this communication, urbanization. And then the third thing is what we call global. Everything's gone global, globalization. What what you say, what's that got to do with me? Living in Long Eaton and uh, going to work tomorrow morning. I tell you what, it's got a lot to do with you. If the United States of America defaults, we're all, as they would say, who is it used to say in Dad's army? We're doomed, or whatever it was. We are. If, if the US goes down, we all go down. If the euro collapses, we say, well, we're not in the euro. But we're all interconnected. The world is a global village. We're now, and I tell you why, this is why I believe we've never lived in an age where we're now so interconnected. Everything is global that I do believe it's a stage for Jesus to return. I don't know when, I don't know exact time, but I believe that we're moving to a point. So everything's connected. So, you know, um, the world, we're all interconnected. So now all these things together, the fast change, urbanization, globalization, we're all interconnected. If one thing goes down, everything goes down. But if one person says something, the whole world can know something. So you heard it goes viral on YouTube. Or on Twitter, something is released and it goes viral. So within minutes, you know, one statement can reach 30 million people around the world. They say it's gone, that's what it means to go viral. So somebody can make a statement on Twitter. You know, so the Arab Spring, revolution in the Middle East, they say a lot of that took place on Twitter. Because people were sharing, this is happening, that's happening. Look at this video. And immediately they would, they would cause an uprising to bring freedom. The world is changing just like that. Don't say this ain't going to happen. The, the climate, the environment is ready. Is ready for someone to take the stage. The Bible talks about the Antichrist. Someone who is anti-God and anti-Christ. To come and say, I will help the world. The, the environment is set for people to really rise up. But the environment is also set for the Lord Jesus Christ himself to return. Okay. So, let's just move on a little bit further, just for a moment or two. So, five minutes, and then I'm going to come to a close, okay? So you can set your timer. We're going to go on a quick, okay? Five minutes, I'm going to come to a close, but I want to just, because I'm going to carry on with this, but I just want to sort of set the scene. So, The climate is set. The environment is now ready. Are we counting? Three things then. Number one. Three things why I believe that we're living in that environment for God to come and move. And I I honestly believe, I believe it could be in my lifetime. It might not be, but I believe it could be. And this is why I've set the scene, as it were. Number one, there's a worldwide gospel. The gospel is global. Um, Jesus said, Uh, to go into all the world in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. But isn't this interesting? Look at Matthew 24, verse 14 with me. So we know that we're called as Christians to tell the world about God. 
In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and tell the good news. But look at this. Look at Matthew 24, verse, what did I say? Well done. I'm just testing you just to see if you're listening. You still are. Verse 14 reads like this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There's other verses that go with that. But it's interesting that the good news of Jesus Christ is to spread around the whole world. And once it is spread around the whole world, it will set the scene for Jesus to return. For Jesus to return. So we always know that as Christians, we're to tell the world. That's the commission for the church, to let the world know. But it's interesting that Jesus will return when the world the message of Christ has been spread around the world. Well, Christianity started in Jerusalem as a little group of people, 120 people, and now is spreading rapidly around the entire world. It's the biggest faith in the whole world. And it's still spreading. It's still spreading around the world. But I also believe this. Because of globalization, urbanization and communication... You can spread the message of Christianity like that. If on Twitter something on, or on YouTube something can go viral, can be instantly spread around the world. Now you could say to me, well, if I'm living in the Amazon and I don't have a satellite dish or what have you, but you'd be interested. I, I've been to the Amazon. I've been down the Amazon. I visited Indian villages in the Amazon and was amazed when I went to one um, mud hut with a satellite dish outside it, and they were watching colour telly. But that's another story. That's an, not everyone does that, by the way. I realise that. But that's what I saw on the Amazon, uh, this village that I went to. But um, if ever there was a time that... that so Christianity is spreading around the world right now. But I think because the way, people, the way people now live in urban areas, the way in which communication is now set up, even in places like China, which is a closed society, in Iran, which is now... Ancient Persia is a close society and they're trying to close down the internet. People still finding a way to get around the internet to let the world know what's really going on. You know, they have a revival meeting in a certain part of the world and they do an instant video cast on it on the internet and tens of hundreds of thousands of people are seeing what's happening, someone being healed or whatever's happening instantly. It's amazing that now, so this gospel shall be preached. If ever there's an opportunity, the way the world is now interconnected, financially we are so connected, you can't unravel us from another country. Our financial institutions are so connected. We are connected to the world. The world is connected. It's connected with communication-wise. It's connected financially. It's connected in many, many ways. So connected that now the Christian message, we're in a great opportunity. We shouldn't be worried. We should be saying, what opportunities do we have as a church to tell the world, to tell the world even more? And so there is this opportunity. That's the first thing, the worldwide gospel. And so Jesus said, he'll come. He will return when this has been preached around the world. Second area, multiplied lawlessness. It says in verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 37. Tell me that quickly. Chapter 24, verse 37. We look into the return of Jesus and it reads, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them 
all away. As it was in the days of Noah, so Jesus will return. In other words, just as in Noah's day there was a flood and people were just carrying on with their life, so it will be when Jesus returns. We'll be carrying on with life and he'll return. Many Christians were not ready. We're just carrying on with our life as if nothing's ever going to change. I'm going to be like this forever. It's just not going to be like this forever. Everything is going to change. Everything will change. In a twinkling of an eye, just like lightning, Jesus will re- can, could, can return and bring all things unto himself. So, I mean, as with the days of Noah, in the days of Noah, if you read the book of Genesis, there's an emphasis in the days of Noah on corruption, on violence, And it says that everybody followed their own inclination. In the days of Noah, in the book of Genesis, it says that the world was corrupt, it was violent, and every human being followed their own inclination. In other words, in the days of Noah, there was uh, was an emphasis on sexual relationships, there was an emphasis on the rejection of God, and there was an emphasis of just living for yourself, leisure and pleasure. In the days of Noah, there was a a wanton living for yourself, just carrying on with life and doing what you like, in other words. People lived for themselves, carried on as if there wasn't a God, and just gratified their pleasure to the point. And so too, in the world and in the nations, there is a sense of, where's all this going? Where's all this running to? People are just doing whatever they like, almost. We've even said in our own nation, how come our nation can even riot? And they say, well, it's because people haven't got much money. Well, there were people with the best trainers on and some people from public school education smashing windows, nicking TVs. It wasn't that. It was just a sense of no rules. Do what you like. As in the days of no. And our, the nations are heading that sort of atmosphere that way. That's the second. The third and final thing. And we're seeing the days of nowhere. We're living in those same sort of atmosphere today. And the third and final thing. I believe we're living in a day when Jesus can return. The climate's ready now. And it's linked to this, the founding of the state of Israel. Israel today, the nation of Israel today. I don't know whether you knew this, but Israel, the nation of Israel was destroyed in AD 70. 70 years, AD 70 in the time of the Romans, the Roman army destroyed Jerusalem and burnt the temple to the ground. What you see today in Israel, in Jerusalem, as the temple is the foundations, basically. And the Dome of the Rock, um, uh, one of the main Muslim holy sites, is built on the, the foundations. And where you see the Jews going to the Wailing Wall, it's the foundation zone. There was a big structure there. And the Romans sacked it and destroyed it. And, and the, the Israelite people were scattered around the world. They were scattered around the world. But there was a prophecy, and there's been many prophecies, that one day Israel would be brought back again and Jerusalem would be restored. It was destroyed. And for hundreds and thousands of years even, we could say, that the state of Israel did did not exist. And then in May 1948, after the Second World War, a part of what was called Palestine was given back to the Jewish people and the state of Israel was formed. Now, this is in line with me. We'll look at it another time. If you read the book of Ezekiel, you think, what's the book of Ezekiel all about? The temple and the running water coming out the temple. It's all about a restoration of Israel becoming a people again. And Israel are a people again. They might be far from God in some ways. But in May 1948, the state of Israel became again. And in the Six-Day War in June 1967, the Jewish people 
took the city of Jerusalem again. They took the city of Jerusalem again. And um, whether you like it or not, these, because Jesus said he will come and stand again on the Mount of Olives. It's amazing. I tell you, the world is moving towards a final destination. It's incredible. It's spectacular. You might take all this for granted, but it was all destroyed, and now it's all back ready for Jesus' return. It's all back ready for Jesus' return. There's three areas there that I believe. Now, what should we do then? What should we do? Live a life ready for God. I said this last week. Listen to what I was speaking on last week if you go online. But it's a parable in in Matthew 25, the chapter after what we've just read. It speaks of ten young maidens. Five let their lamps go out and five kept their lamps burning. They were waiting for the bride the bridegroom to come. The bridegroom is a picture of Jesus. And the, the bridegroom came and five maidens, their lamps were out and they couldn't meet the bridegroom. In the east, that was a bad thing. But the picture there is of the church getting ready for Jesus. This is what it is. And so some people were ready with their lamps burning and some people, their lamps had gone out. And today the church is letting its lamp go out. We've gone sleepy. We live life as if Jesus isn't coming back. Don't even know if he is coming back or not. And so what we should do is this, get ready. Let the lamp of your life burn in the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk about revival. More, Lord, getting filled. It's getting alive. Believing that Jesus is coming again and telling the world. Telling the world it's not doom and gloom, but there's an amazing God who's going to bring all things together. And you need to know him. And we need as Christians, therefore, to let the lamp of his spirit burn in my heart afresh and to believe and get ready and say, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? I don't know about, I sometimes say that about myself. Am I really ready? Are you ready, as it were? Live ready. That's what God wants us to do. Live ready. Live prepared. Get yourself right with God. Are you far from God as a Christian? Then get yourself back with God. Have you walked away? Has the fire gone out? Well, let the fire burn again. Get your lamp ready. Light, get the fuel of the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come and fill your life afresh. And say, Lord, fill me anew. I've let the lamp go out. Life has stuffed me out, but I'm ready. I want to be ready for your return. I want to be ready. So get ready. Live ready. And then the second thing is tell others. Tell the world. This is why God said, go into all the world and tell the world the good news, that Jesus is alive, that God can make a difference in your life. Not only can he make a difference, but he is coming back too. He's coming back soon. Because people say, oh, I'll do it when I'm, I'll do it before I die. Oh, I want to live my life first. But it's, it's more critical than that. It's much more critical than that. Jesus is coming back. It's a bit too late then to say to him, oh, I think I've changed my mind now. I've seen it on YouTube. I've seen it on, they're doing it on Twitter. He's at the Mount of Olives and it's, it's trending right now. Hashtag whatever it is. Jesus at Mount of Olives, whatever it is. Trending right now. Too late. Too late. It's get ready. Get alive. Get him now. Lay hold of what God has. Let him lay hold of you. Let him lay hold of me right now. Live ready. Tell others. Not doom and gloom. Let's pray together. God bless you. So I give a broad reason why I believe that. Next time, though, I'll give more. We'll look at that passage again and unpack it a little bit more at some other things that we read from that passage. So don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. No one knows the hour. But I tell you what, as a Christian, we've got a hope. As a Christian, we've got a hope.
Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts to you right now. We say that we want to live for you, Father God. We want to live for you, Lord Jesus. We don't want to be caught like there were the ten young maidens. Five of them were ready with a lamp for when the bridegroom came. And five of them were sleeping and the lamps had gone out. And we don't want to be a sleepy church. We don't want to be asleep and our lamps go out. And I just want to pray, Lord, if, if we've become disillusioned, if we've become overworked, if, if, if something's come, circumstances snuffed out the lamp, the light, just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and encourage, love, restore, speak into my heart, let the light burn again. If I've become just immersed in just so much other stuff, too busy, forgive me, God. I just give you my heart afresh. We've been singing about from the inside out. I want to be found, God, with a heart open and alive, alert and ready for you. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm just going to trust you and open my heart to you. So would you just come now, Holy Spirit, and just cause a fire to burn afresh in my heart and in my life. We as a church, we want to be alert, Lord, ready, prepared. Help us as we just let others know that you are great God. You're a good God. You're an amazing God. That you're coming back again, Lord. You're going to make all things new. You're going to bring everyone to who, who loves you and has trusted you into your arms and to be with you. So we just give our lives afresh to you, oh God, tonight. Let the fire burn. Let the fire of readiness burn in me. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.